Welcome to Blakey Psychotherapy. We're glad you're here. Thinking about therapy and talking to a therapist requires courage. You've taken the first step. Comings and goings, the circle of life. People come and go in our lives for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because we meet a new friend or a relationship ends. Maybe we're the ones coming and going as we change jobs or move to a new city. At some point, our entrances and exits are more substantial. We're born and we die. That is the circle of life. While both birth and death are unavoidable parts of the human experience, I suggest that as a modern culture, we treat each of them very differently. However, that hasn't always been the case. As a big fan of Call the Midwife, I never tire of watching the sanitized TV version of Babies Being Born. The series takes place in an East London neighborhood during the 1950s and early 60s. Among other things, it chronicles the progression from the norm of home births to hospital births and the resulting changes in the expectations of everyone involved. I'm not advocating one birth experience over another, just noting the shift of birth taking place at home versus taking place in a medical setting. Like birth, death has also moved locations. In the past, common practice was that we died at home, circumstances allowing. Ideally, the dying person was surrounded by family and friends who were there to offer comfort to the individual and each other. Family members shared the final tasks of preparing their loved ones for burial. Visitation was held in the family home. Birth and death were very personal, yet community experiences. Now, most of us can expect to die in a hospital and prepared for our final resting places by funeral home staff. According to Statistics Canada in 2014, approximately 259,000 Canadians died. The fact sheet published about hospice and palliative care in Canada reported that 70% of those deaths occurred in hospitals. On the flip side, 2014 saw approximately 384,000 Canadian births, 142,000 in Ontario. A December 2015 Toronto Star article outlined a three-year McMaster University study that noted that midwives attended 10% of all births in Ontario. 2014 is included in their data. Of this 10%, 20% of these births occurred at home. The bottom line is, most of us will come and go in a hospital. However, the picture may be changing. Midwifery was registered in Ontario in 1994 as a publicly funded service. Currently, there are more than 700 mid registered midwives in Ontario who provide neonatal care to pregnant women, attend their deliveries, and look after the mother and baby following birth. With the 1994 law, midwives have hospital privileges, including access to hospital staff and resources. The blending of these two options gives expectant parents more choice where to deliver their babies. It's no longer a binary decision of at home with the midwife versus in a hospital with an obstetrician. Most family doctors no longer deliver babies. According to the McMaster study, for women with low-risk pregnancies, babies delivered at home were at no greater risk than those in hospital. We can have the best of both worlds.
the same choice has begun around end-of-life decisions as well. The number of hospice centres and palliative care support is growing steadily. According to an Ontario Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care position paper, Ontario is working to provide patients with more choices for palliative and end-of-life care. This includes investing in more hospice care across the province and expanding caregiver supports that help families and loved ones provide support for palliative patients at home and in their communities. Ontario will also support more public education around advanced care planning so that patients' wishes for end-of-life care are understood. The province is establishing clear oversight and accountability for Ontario's palliative care services, to further advance patient-centered care. It will be interesting to see the effects of assisted death legislation on end-of-life location options. Speaking of options, there are now death doulas or midwives who spiritually help individuals and their families through the death process. Training programs to become a death doula are now available throughout Canada and the U.S. Both McLean's Magazine and Global News have covered this subject. Death is making an appearance. While our culture tends to hide death, even in the language we use to describe it, passed away or passed on, I started to notice some changes. Besides the increased visibility of hospice and palliative care and debates on assisted death, end of life has started taking up space in our current frame of reference. At first, it was something I glimpsed out of the corner of my eye. A colleague had mentioned that he had attended a a weekend workshop on home funerals. The event took place in a private home and included information about the rules and some basic skills for taking care of your deceased loved one from death until burial. While not for everyone, this is a fascinating alternative to the current practice. Next, over a six-month period, numerous articles appeared in the local paper. A story about a Romanian cemetery called the Mary Cemetery where the crosses are etched with colorful epitaphs and drawings describing the deceased one's life and or personality. A helpful article about tying up the loose ends of life. Another article assuring readers that death doesn't have to be so frightening. A commentary about the Mexican tradition of the Day of the Dead, a family celebration that sees family members and friends having parties in local cemeteries as they visit their loved ones. And finally, a review of the book, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, How to Free Yourself and Your Family from a Lifetime of Clutter. I came across information about the Good Green Death Forum, an event organized by the Green Burial Society of Canada and DeathCafe.com, a social event where people can talk about death with the goal of increasing their awareness of life. Ideas of death appear to be popping up in popular culture. As a therapist, I tend to look at these things through the lens of mental health. While birth is usually a happy event, no matter where it takes place, I have concerns about how we deal with the end of life. With the movement of death from plain sight over the past decades, it's become scary. Combined with our culture's fixation on youth, this fear has escalated. As with most things in life we do not understand, when we push them away, they become something mysterious and to be feared. But do we have to treat death this way? Instead, can we use a familiarity with death as a tool to help us live more aware and fulfilling lives? In many Buddhist traditions, 
a purposeful contemplation of death is one practice that can be used to help individuals become aware of the constancy of change and life's fragility. The concept is that when we realize that nothing in life is permanent and everything is easily broken, we look at our events in our lives differently. We may appreciate to a greater level not only what we have, including health, relationships, and things, but also the people we love. From this perspective, while we may grieve loss from the breaking of a favorite cup to the loss of something greater, we understand it to be part of the greater whole. As well, to quote the best-selling book title, we don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. I've come across a few books over the years, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, and She Means Business, to name a few, that advise readers to become comfortable with their own death as a way to add focus to their lives. These authors lead guided exercises in which the reader imagines in detail their own funeral or memorial service, paying particular attention to what family members and their friends are saying about them. These imaginary statements become nuggets to be mined as you set life goals. I'm not sure it works, but it could be an interesting exercise. We can't hide from the comings and goings of our life, whether it's us or someone else. However, we can become less fearful and more mindful. If that is becoming too difficult for you, I hope you reach out. Thank you for listening. The Blakey Psychotherapy Podcast is produced and recorded by Anita Woodard from Woodard Administration. Please subscribe and tell a friend about the podcast. For more information or to connect, our website is www.loriblakey.com. Thank you and take care of your mental health.